Hi, welcome to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight, and today we're speaking with Allie Phillips about a secret practice of taxpayer-funded animal shelters. It's called pound seizure. It's nothing we would ever want any animal shelter to do. But first, a word from our sponsors. We're pleased to announce that 4K9s.com, the people who make those high-quality, easy-to-clean, good-looking car seat covers for your dog, are sponsors of this podcast. Halloween, picking out pumpkins, candy, and costumes, silently signals the onslaught of holidays to come. And piling in and out of the car for weekend football games, woodland hikes, and trick-or-treating can get really messy. Rain, muddy wet paws, snow, dust, and debris works its way into the fibers of the seat, and it's one more thing to clean. Leather takes a beating, too. Save yourself and your car seats. Get the gift that keeps on giving. Check out the great prices at 4K9s.com. That's number four, letter K, N-I-N-E-S dot com. Allie Phillips is an award-winning author and nationally recognized attorney and advocate for animals. She has spent her career prosecuting offenders, training criminal justice professionals, lobbying Congress and state legislatures for animal protection laws, volunteering in shelters, opening her home to foster homeless cats, and even becoming a master energy healer to help pets that have been abused. She is an expert in the secretive world of pound seizure and has written the only book on the topic, How Shelter Pets Are Brokered for Experimentation. She's the founder of Sheltering Animals and Families Together, SAF-T, the first and only global initiative to work with family violence shelters to welcome pets on site when fleeing violence. She also founded the National Center for Prosecution of Animal Abuse at the National District Attorneys Association and is a senior advisor to the White Coat Waste Movement an organization advocating to end taxpayer-funded animal experimentation. You can read more about her work and books at AlliePhillips.com, A-L-L-I-E-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. Welcome to the show, Allie. Hi, Mary. It's great to be back. Uh, We spoke in 2013 at Animal Cafe about pound seizure and how you got involved with this little-known practice by animal shelters of selling, giving, or releasing on-demand animals for research testing. Would you recap for people who've never heard of this practice exactly what pound seizure is? Sure. Pound seizure is where shelter cats and dogs are either sold or given for free to research facilities, educational facilities, or to USDA random source Class B dealers who broker the pets to research facilities. A lot of people are not aware that this has been going on since, oh gosh, the 1940s in our animal shelters. And it has been a very secretive practice because it flies in the face of what an animal shelter should be, which is a safe haven for animals who are homeless, who have been abandoned, and who have been abused. How many states are still involved in this, either because their law says they can choose to do this or not, according to local ordinances, and how has that changed since we spoke two years ago? Well, sadly, there has been no change in the laws, at least to my knowledge. Right now, it's very difficult to find out what shelters are engaging in this practice, because it is secretive. Shelters do not want to advertise it. And it really takes volunteers or shelter staff to go public with the information. And so when we look at state laws, we have one state that actually mandates 
pound seizure, which means if a research facility or a, or a dealer goes to an, a shelter, they cannot say no, and that state is Oklahoma. We have 19 states that have banned it. Um, two states in that list have only done like a partial ban. California mm. has only banned um, um, abandoned animals going to research. Owner surrendered pets can. Pennsylvania only talks about dogs, not cats. But overall, 19 states have banned it. But 10 states have laws in existence that allow the individual shelters to decide. For instance, my home state of Michigan is one of those states. And then there's 23 states that don't address it at all. So all of those states could and can engage in pound seizure until a shelter decides against it or a state actually passes a law to ban it. So the frustration that so many of us feel about this really has to do with working from the inside out. Yes, and that's how I became aware of this. When I was a prosecutor in Lansing, Michigan, I was volunteering at my local animal control, and it took me about nine months to learn that this was happening, and myself and other volunteers worked together to ask the shelter to stop, and the shelter refused, claimed that they were being ordered by the county government to do it, and that's when we went to the county government, and they refused, and so we mobilized the community and had thousands of people showing up at county government meetings. And, I mean, this went on for, for years, and eventually we were able to ban the practice in that shelter. And from there, it spread around the state of Michigan to where, at least right now, I don't think any shelters are engaging this, but we still don't have a state law. And we're just one state. So when you think about all the other states, you know, the 23 states that don't have a law, the 10 states that have laws that allow it, what's going on there? It takes a significant amount of effort and time of people who want to do this. But a lot of people don't even know to look for this because it's just not on their radar. So that's why change takes so long is because building consensus and getting the word out and networking and doing all of the footwork considerable footwork that's involved in this kind of work does actually take years to force change it does and you know trying to even get documented information that this is going on at a shelter often takes you through like the open records and the freedom of information act laws where you have to request these governmental documents and go through them and pay the money and mm -hmm. you know and it it's it can be a little intimidating to people and this is why i wrote the book how shelter pets are brokered for experimentation to show what one person or one group of people can do to make change to really empower people to find out if this is really happening in their community because if it is or if it is even happening in your state or a neighboring state your pets are not safe because we have millions of pets who go missing every year and some of those are ending up in research and experimental facilities yeah that's still happening is your book almost a blueprint for people on how to go from point a to point b yes it is and, and I put in specific stories of people, of what they did, 
what was successful, what was not successful, to really kind of keep your spirits up while you do this because like like you said, this is a long effort. I spent over three years battling it in just one state and I have spent the last 15 years battling this in my home state of Michigan as well as nationally. So you can get exhausted, you can get tired, and so I wrote this book to keep everyone really focused on it. Yeah, the last thing that uh, advocates need to do is lose hope or energy for this kind of work. Exactly. And, and that's why this year I have started collaborating with the White Coat Waste Movement mm-hmm. um, as a senior advisor to really step up efforts in this. I mean, it's a small part of animal experimentation overall, but it, it is an unnecessary part given the results that have come from studies ordered by the U.S. Congress and what National Institutes of Health has said. So it is completely unnecessary, yet we still have three of these USDA-licensed random source Class B dealers that appear to still be in business who are finding animals to broker into research. And of the three, two of them are in my home state of Michigan. So this was the year, uh, uh, 2015, is the proposed date to phase out licenses for Class B dealers uh, by the National Institutes of Health. Uh, Yes, they, they have ended all funding to any research facility that utilizes these Class B dealer random source animals. Um, it, It doesn't phase out animal testing or animal experimentation. It's just the animals that come from these Class B dealers. Now, USDA, to my knowledge, is not phasing out that classification because the classification of a USDA Class B dealer is far bigger than what these three random source dealers do. There are thousands of Class B dealers. Um, A Class B dealer can be a small breeding facility. I wondered about that. Yes, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just there's like the sub-classification of a Class B dealer of a dealer that brokers these random source animals. And when I say random source, they literally come from random sources. You know, animals that end up at a shelter, you often don't know where they come from. They're not, they don't have a known history right. like a Class A dealer, which is a very large-scale breeder that breeds animals specific for research, and they know their history, they know their genetics, and that's kind of the difference in the classifications. So how extensive, that is the impact of, of this slight shift in not using Class B dealers. Is there, are there really any numbers that we can cite about pound seizure? There are no accurate numbers right now mm-hmm. at all. Um, years ago, I would say six years ago, I tried to do a state-by-state study by contacting three to five shelters in each state. And shelters that I contacted where I knew that they had a pound seizure practice, they were unaware of it. So the shelters who are not doing this, they don't have their ear to the ground to, to know of other shelters that are doing this. So, oh, I see. Yeah. And, and when it comes to shelters across the country, 
reporting their intake numbers as well as their disposition numbers, like are they disposing of these ants, class B dealer. Michigan has the best system. Every shelter has to report that. So that's why I know Michigan numbers. I don't know the rest of the country because they don't have to report it. And really the last good look at this that happened was when Congress ordered the National Academies of Science to do a research project on this. And they pulled together veterinarians and animal protection groups and researchers, and they wrote a big study in 2009 about this. And even in the study way back in 2009, these random source animals were a very small part of research. I mean, it's we're talking maybe a couple thousand animals compared to the millions of animals that are used in research, you know, the millions of cats and dogs that are bred specifically for research. So the Class B random source cats and dogs coming from shelters are a small number, but it's a big number if it ends up being your pet. And That's I've, right. That's right. I've talked to so many people who they went on vacation, their dog jumped over the fence, the pet sitter couldn't find them, the dog ended up at a shelter where a Class B dealer came in, and after the minimum wait period, which sometimes is as low as two days, mm. Class B dealer takes takes the dog. Now, the um, Animal Welfare Act has a provision in it with the sole purpose of reuniting people with their pets, but it requires honesty um, and transparency on the part of the B dealers and the research facilities. Mm. I tested that transparency, and it's not there. So there's too many people who have lost their pets to pound seizure, which is why I initially said, as long as it's in your area, as long as it's in your state or a neighboring state, your pets are not safe. Well, this is certainly food for thought for many people, and I think that uh, it would make a great project for a lot of private shelters. Yes, it's very important for people to know what their community is doing and the community around them. And so it's, it's asking. And a shelter that is engaging in this may not be required to answer if they're doing this. They may not have to post a placard that says that animals are being sold to research, which mm-hmm. is why it is so secretive. And what I have found is if you work with the rescue community or the volunteers going into the shelter, they will know. They will know if pets start disappearing from the shelter because that's how I found out. You know, I worked specifically with the cats at this municipal shelter, and I walked in one day expecting to see 30 cats in the cat room, and there were six. And and I knew that the shelter had a high euthanasia rate, but they always allowed me the chance to call in a rescue or get them to foster care before euthanasia. Mm -hmm. And, And when I went to the director and said, where are all the cats? He wouldn't answer me, and it really took me um, kind of browbeating a staff member, and all she did was she slipped me a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. and she said, the dealer was here. And I'm like, what the heck is a dealer? I had no idea, and this, I was a prosecutor in this county. You know, I was a citizen. I should have known this. So that's why it is very secretive. It's a dirty little secret, and so sometimes you have to do a little digging, but if you have a pet, you owe it to your pet to know if this is going on because your taxpayer dollars are funding that shelter that is doing this. 
We'll take a quick break here to say thanks to our sponsors, 4K9s.com, for sending car seat covers over for testing. I saw the installs in less than one minute claim and thought, have they met me? I was so surprised when it turned out to be true. They fit well and look really great. 4K9s offers a lifetime warranty. If a cover fails with a 4.75 out of 5 star rating from 1,000 reviews at Amazon, you can be sure of excellent customer service. And there's a special coupon for listeners. You'll get an additional 10% off even on sale prices when you use the code CAFE number 4 letter K number 9 letter S. And here Here's something we really love. With every purchase, $1 goes to the ASPCA and other rescues. Visit 4K9s.com. And we're back. I would guess that uh, noticing shelters that don't have volunteers or don't want volunteers or don't <laughs> don't allow volunteers uh, to yes. help would be certainly a, a signal for things going on that you really need to know. That is a big red flag. Mm-hmm. And as a citizen, you are allowed into any animal shelter during their open hours. You may not be allowed into certain parts of the shelter, but you are allowed into the shelter. You are allowed to send a request for their documents because a municipal shelter, which overwhelmingly pound seizure, if it's going to occur, it will occur in a municipal shelter. I've only heard of one occasion where it was a humane society type shelter, and I still haven't been able to validate that because they won't call me back. Um, but what they what you can do is you can request the records because a municipal shelter is a government facility, and they have to have their documents open for inspection. And that's really that's how I found out, and that's how we've been able to find out what's going on in many shelters is by looking at their records. It's amazing to me that this issue is so buried in the bowels of local and state government. Animal lovers, people involved in advocacy, and even taxpayers, they would make a powerful coalition in efforts to get daylight on this issue. It is. It's a barbaric practice. It's outdated. No community supports this, which is why it's secretive. And so we really owe it as citizens and taxpayers to know about this and you know that that's why I wrote this book and that's why I have spent the last 15 years of my life working on this to raise awareness so that we don't forget because it may be such a small percentage of animals but we need we need to ban it federally and in every state so it's it's about getting people mobilized to do this. And there's nothing wrong with uh, working at the edges of an issue to keep chipping away, making it smaller and smaller wherever you can. Exactly. And and there are plenty of people who are passionate about this issue that you don't have to go it alone. And that's really what I focus on in the book is how to band together with others because it can this can be emotionally difficult work to do. But if you love animals, you have to do this. I mean, it, it's we have to do this because if we don't stop this, if we don't speak up for these animals, who's going to do it? If the people who love animals don't do this, there is no There hope. is no one, yes, and they continue to have no voice. And it's really interesting that this started you on path you're still on today because the reason I started blogging in the first place was because a neighboring state's animal control sent many of the shelters in Chicago an email that said, we've built a new facility. We have, we are not taking the old dogs that we have here in this facility. So 
if you if you want them you can come and get them otherwise they're going to be euthanized i have never been so taken aback and shocked in my life that's terrible and it's not the first time i've heard of that yeah, i bet it isn't and yeah. i was just uh, down to my toe i said do the taxpayers of that do they know what they're doing i know it, it's it's terrible and so you know thank you for what you do to raise awareness this is what we need to keep doing just keep raising awareness and not be of the mindset that well i can't go into a shelter you know i'm going to want to save them all i don't know how i can help that's why i wrote the book to mm-hmm. really show what you can do. So it's we, we owe it. We owe it to our country. We owe it to our state and our cities. And we owe it to the animals to do this. Exactly. I Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, Allie Phillips. Uh, you can find her book, How Shelter Pets Are Brokered for Experimentation, Understanding Pound Seizure, at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. And I can't thank you enough for the work you do. Thank you, Mary. And to the audience... Thanks for listening.